This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, don't be afraid to start the conversation with Father Gail Hammerschmidt. What are the four things all Catholics should ask themselves? What should we do when our children fall away from the faith? Well, let's find out. Father Gail is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Your topic today is Be Not Afraid to Start the Conversation Early. What a topic. Oh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I should give your introduction. Father Gail Hammerschmidt is formerly of Hayes, a graduate of TMP Marion High School. He's currently the chaplain of what is commonly known as St. Isidore's Catholic Student Center in Manhattan. So now... Now we can we can talk about that topic. Be not afraid to start the conversation early. Really, gosh, it's a, it's an intriguing topic. So so, what's on your mind? Help us to understand where you're going with this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, what what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the reality is is that being where I am on a college campus, I, I look at. at Twenty-year-olds, and I recognize that maybe the conversations that that they needed to have at a young age haven't been had. Uh, so many of them are just so very lost. I, I remember hearing a story even about uh, a Focus Missionary holding a sign that said, "Have prayers. We will pray for you." And and somebody honestly asked the missionary this prayer thing. What do you What do you mean by that? They they didn't they didn't really know what the missionary even meant by, I will pray for you. So first and foremost, that's, that's just a sign that <laughs> that person is, is raised in a, a non-Christian uh, environment. Uh, a couple other just examples of things that I see. So it's, it's not only my experience with, with working with college students, but even within the past couple of weeks, I've been invited out to do some first reconciliations. So, so the first time the little kiddos are, are going to confession, it's a wild thing to see that after I kind of explain how the confession thing goes down, I hear their confessions. I'm trying to formulate a, a penance for them, a, a, something that they can do for a penance. And I'll ask the question many times, do you know the Our Father? And they'll give me a blank stare. Mm-hmm. Well, do you know the, the Hail Mary? Again, a blank stare. Are there any prayers that you know? And a lot of times they'll, they'll shake their head that they don't know any prayers. They don't know any prayers. They're yeah. second graders. And I'm, I'm not one of those who thinks that all of, of the religious ed classes on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings should be wrapped up in forcing kids to memorize prayers. I, th- I think that that conversation needed to have been had much earlier in their lives by being taught prayers from, from their parents. And so when I just say start the conversation early, I think it means, how do we pray? How do we believe in God? Uh, Maybe a couple other examples. I remember being a chaplain at at one of our Catholic high schools, and and there was a a young lady, a a fine, nice young lady, but she was adamantly atheist. Mm -hmm. She was 100% convinced that God did not exist, and at that Catholic high school, she was trying to evangelize others (laughs) and convince them that God didn't exist. And so much of it was just wrapped up in, in silliness that I think could have been nipped in the bud if the right conversations had been had early on in her life or in, in many lives. I read an article where there are many fourth and fifth graders 
who have declared themselves atheists mm. uh, because they have a hard time reconciling what they're learning in their science classes at school and what they're being taught about the Genesis creation stories, maybe uh, on their Wednesday night religious ed classes. And so I think that we need to have the, the good conversation. We need to know to, what the conversation looks like in regards, for example, that, that topic there. I mean, very easily reconciled if parents are having the right conversations, if the Wednesday night teachers are also aware as to <laughs> how these things can be reconciled. Uh, and, then, and then maybe the final topic that I think has, has raised this within my mind, and when I say start the conversation early, I'm most definitely speaking of the, the topic of, of maybe uh, uh, Internet pornography mm. and what to do when one stumbles upon it. Because my life as a college chaplain, I deal on a daily basis, on a daily basis mm. with young men and women who are 100% absolutely addicted to pornography in a very deep way that they're, they're going to need counseling. They'll need you know, groups they're going to need definitely to be courageous and in inviting the Lord and fight the fight alongside them. But again, a lot of these things, and I just see them broken and hurt, hurting and, and addicted, and, and so many of these things also, I think they could have been avoided if parents would have been courageous enough to start the conversation early. Yeah, gosh, it, you know, it blows my mind that, that parents don't, but I, you know, when as I think about what you're saying— you know, it is, it is so true that our society as a whole is, is falling away from any kind of belief in God. And so it would make sense that, you know, they're not passing that on to their children either. It, well, and that's right. I think that's exactly it. And so when you think about maybe um, my parents, who very much have been a part of the, uh, the the crowd that would have not missed a Sunday Mass. And, and so that's that's not the reality anymore, that now it's not as, as big a deal to miss Sunday Mass. But even my parents, who, who were faithful and would go to Sunday Mass, this, these were difficult conversations to have with, with snot-nosed Gale, uh, you know, when I was seven and eight years old. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Uh, the, the things maybe about God's existence or, or how is it that we, we read the Bible— well, the reason I think that that's a difficult conversation is because most people are uneducated themselves yeah. in how to read the Bible or how to kind of promote this, this understanding that God exists, how to get their kids to ask the questions, the important questions that get them thinking about, oh, well, yes, now I guess it makes sense that God exists beyond just that thing that says, well, Mom said God exists. Yeah. Uh, here's why we start to believe that, that God exists. Uh, and, and then the other thing is you have to also be very much aware of, of pointing out what the other side might be saying mm. and being able to then refute some of those those things. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, and then obviously the, the talk about human sexuality, it's, it's tough, it's embarrassing, you know, parents don't know what to say, uh, kids get a little bit squirrely and squirmy as kids would. But it doesn't mean that we can't have a conversation, that we shouldn't have a conversation. Really, their future is really at risk here yeah. if, if we don't. Yeah, You know, I, I, I remember being in seminary, and this is a kind of off the line, but not really. I think that when I was in seminary, I was praying in the, in the midst of a, a retreat, and 
it just struck me that, that every faithful human being has to ask four questions. And really, since I was on that retreat in seminary, I've brought this up again and again and again. I think I even preached about it in my first homily as a priest, that we all have to ask ourselves four questions. And, and that first question is the question, is God, is God real? Is all of this stuff real? Is it real? <laughs> because if it's not real, if it's just make-believe, then let's walk away and let's, let's search for what is real. Right. And so we have to grapple with the question, is God real? Before we worry about any of this other stuff, before we, we dive into the depths of what does it mean to be a sacramental church or, or any of this stuff, do we care about, I was, I was scrolling through and looking at all the incredible topics we've talked about on, on your uh, carathons this week, yeah. and, and, and none of those topics matter if God's not real. Yeah. And so we, we have to come to a firm conclusion in, in this, that, that we're going to put all of our chips on the table to say, yeah, <laughs> I'm in. And to some people, that comes absolutely naturally. It does. It just comes so very natural that we just have this sense we know we've never doubted. Um, but most people aren't like that. Yeah. Most people have some, some real questions, especially when we've got these evangelical atheists out there. Right? So they're not just content with themselves not believing. Right. They want to make sure that nobody else believes. They've, they've got this thing going on where it's just like we've got to convince the whole world that God doesn't exist. And so you've kind of got your mainline atheists that are writing their books, and, and, and middle schoolers are reading it. This, this young lady I was talking about, she was most definitely promoting their materials at the Catholic high school that I was working at. And, uh, and so you have to kind of be able to combat some of the stuff that they're saying. Yeah. And, and so we have to get to this, this head knowledge, this heart knowledge, obviously. We can't know everything. We, we have to trust. At times, we have to have faith. But we have to come to the the conclusion that God is real. So that's the first question. The, the second question, then, and, and we have to get to this this understanding of and answering the question: Does God matter? Does He matter? Yeah. Because there's there's a number of people who believe that God is real, but they just don't believe that He actually matters to their life. He's not important enough that they need to pay attention. And I think that this is a large portion, maybe, of that crowd who would call themselves, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian or I'm Catholic. Yeah. I'm not going to go to church on Sunday. I mean, come on, I'm not a radical. Uh, but but I, I think that, that God re- is real, but maybe he doesn't matter so much. It's one of those things, yeah, I mean, it's cool, it's good. I mean, when I die, I'll get whisked away on his magic sleigh ride to heaven and live a happily ever after with him. But for now, i got my own thing going on. And so I think there's a lot of the world who thinks that God is real, but that maybe he doesn't matter. Uh, you know, so to those people... I think I would point out, <laughs> it says time and time again, it's Jesus, it's Jesus who's saying this, uh, you know, walk the narrow road, because the road to heaven is, is narrow, and those who find it are few, whereas the road to perdition is wide, and, and those who find that are, are many. Uh, so strive, you know, yes, He's merciful, He loves us, He's going to forgive us, but strive to walk the narrow road, to, to live the life as, as best you can. And so much of that striving to live that life is also then educating yourself so that you can pass that education along to the next generation. And I think this is where we're, we're failing in, in a pretty major way. So first, God is real. Second, God matters. He matters. What is it? I think C.S. Lewis says, he says, if, if, uh, if God is real, then, then what, shoot, it's, it's that great quote that the faith is true, nothing matters more. Uh, if false, 
it matters not at all. But the only thing that can't be true is that it's only moderately important. I, I just totally butchered his quote, and I apologize for that, because I used to know it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, his point is, the only thing that, that Jesus hasn't allowed us is, is to live a life that says, this thing's only somewhat important. And yet, most of the world treats faith as though it's only somewhat important. Okay, uh, sorry about the, the butchering of the quote there, Mr. C.S. Lewis, and, and all of you who maybe is going to be listening to this at some point today, because I doubt too many others are awake right now. Actually, that's not true. Hayes, Kansas, everybody's awake in Hayes, Kansas. It's just over here on the, the eastern side of the state where we sleep in. All right. Uh, and so the, the third question, I'll try and run through these a little bit quicker. Third question, is it is it even... Uh, the third question would be, well, what does the faith look like? What does the faith look like? So all of the education we receive as to what the faith is, well, that's what the faith looks like. When we talk about the sacramental life, when we talk about the Marian apparitions, when we talk about, uh, you know, the commandments, when we talk about the Beatitudes, moral law, all of that, that, that just expresses what the faith looks like. When we, we speak of the glories of heaven and the intercession of the saints, that, that's what it looks like. So we have to ask that question as well. We have to have a firm grasp as to what this thing is all about. So is God real? Is the faith real? Does it matter? What does it look like? And that's a broad topic. Obviously, we can spend our entire life just investigating. What does it look like? What do we What do we need to know about the faith? And then the fourth question, and I love this question, all right? So we believe that God is real. We believe that He matters more than anything else on earth. We've started to discover what the faith looks like. The fourth question that we have to grapple with is this. Is it possible? Is it possible to live that life that we're called to live? And, and I think an interesting thing here is that the reality is, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not uh, on our own. It's not possible. We need God. We need others. We absolutely need others to walk alongside us, to lift us up, to give us strength when we're weak. And we need God's grace. We need His mercy. We need His assistance if we're going to live the beauty of this faith that matters so much and that is more real than anything we can even touch here on earth. Okay. So those four things, that's, that's every person I talk to, I want to, I want to say, have you answered the four questions yet? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid to answer the four questions yeah. because we all have to grapple internally with it. And most people I meet, they're stuck somewhere in the God is real question or, or God matters question. Yeah. I haven't been fully convinced that he's real or I haven't been fully convinced that God matters. Yeah. Well, let me, let me first of all say this. I, I was kind of uh, getting online here, and, and I'm, so I'm obviously talking to you on, on my phone, but I'm, I'm looking at it online. And, and so whenever the, the person that you're interviewing is just calling in from the phone, you, you kind of look a, there in the, in the studio. And so my idea would be that I need to create one of those cardboard cutouts. There you go. You know go. how they, <laughs> they have those of Pope Francis or Mother Teresa. They're all over the place. Yeah. Maybe like a, a cardboard cutout of me. And so you can put that in the studio. Yeah. And then uh, when people like chime in on you guys' uh, Facebook Live or whatever other places this might go out, yeah. then they would see uh, my ugly face just right there. Because although I have a face made for radio every now and again, a radio <laughs> station goes live stream and it would be good for people to see me. It looks like right now you're just interviewing a sheet of paper. And so that's, <laughs> that's difficult uh, uh, social media right there. Yeah. So I don't know that, that my cardboard cutout would be much better, but nonetheless, well, and None thank you so much that. for that reminder that I'm actually out there on the internet. So thanks, thanks for that reminder, <laughs> Father. I tried to forget about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're great. You're great. Uh, yeah. So, 
I, I just think that uh, we we first have to grapple with those questions uh, to come to a lively faith, and and we live in a generation, obviously, that the faith seems to be struggling mm. uh, for for a thousand different reasons, and and the topic of our conversation today is not to get into those thousand reasons, but there's an encouragement that says once you grapple with those four questions, your life will get better. Yeah. Once you can come to the realization that God is real, that, that His presence matters, and you see what the faith is all about, the beauty of it, and, and that's the, the really the way I would describe it. What does it look like? It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's the greatest gift that humans can receive. Yet most humans don't know that. Yeah. And so when we realize the beauty of the faith, and we start to, to receive it, uh, there wouldn't be a Sunday on earth that you couldn't wait to get to Mass <laughs> once you understand the beauty of the faith. Yes. And yeah. so this is the, the reality, and and then you, you see that, that life just becomes becomes better. And all you want to do is you want to evangelize. You want to tell everybody about the beauty of this faith. Here at St. Isidore, we're so blessed to have so many faithful, faithful kids who see the beauty of the faith, and they want to continue to bring in their friends. Uh, it's, it's really quite a thing for me to sit back and watch the faith of the college students here at St. Isidore's and their desire then to tell other people about the beauty of the faith. It really, really is an amazing thing to see. And so when we get there, our lives are better. And then we need to have that desire then to tell others. Okay. And so that's the first thing I would recommend is just whoever might be listening to this, uh, <laughs> dive deeper, dive deeper. Learn to love all of the things the church puts forth, and then you're going to want to teach those. Now, this is really the, the, the reason for, for this conversation today, is what does it look like then to teach those, and why teach them so early? Yeah. had a conversation, even with, with somebody I know and I love very much, uh, kind of an, an extended family member, and I was ex- expressing to her that even my work with middle schoolers, I'm absolutely going to be talking about things like uh, the dangers of, of pornography. And she was kind of shocked, uh, and she was kind of upset. And she, she had basically said, no, 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 I, I don't agree with that. I think a topic like that is in between parents and children. And I said, if only it were so, <laughs> then I wouldn't have to worry about telling middle schoolers about it. And, and, and she's right. I mean, if, if every parent was like her, then, then things would be, would be fine. But most parents aren't. And, and if we go to, let's just go to that topic, the topic of, of Internet pornography, what well, we see, and there's some, there's some great resources, and, and maybe that's a thing I should continue to, to tell people is, hey, also don't be afraid because there are resources out there that are going to help you to have these conversations. Yeah. Especially, especially in the topic of, of things like pornography and, and most prevalently, internet pornography. Yeah. Good pictures, bad pictures. Maybe it's just the best thing out there right now. It's a, it's a little booklet called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. Uh, Kristen Jensen and, and Gail Poyner. Uh, these are just, uh, I've heard this recommended from almost everybody as one of the best things available. Hmm. How do you, it says, porn proof today's young kids. 
And so it talks about having the conversation. But, but that's not the only spot to, to look for some of these resources. Um, for example, in the topic of uh, sexuality and pornography, uh, a great website, Integrity Restored. That's incredible for those struggling with this, this topic uh, on every level. Integrity Restored. I was even just Googling this this morning. I think it was something like the Nebraska Family Alliance. So it's just one of the first things that came up. Resource to protect your family against pornography. So, so there's resources out there. It's never been easier to know how to, to talk to young people than it is right now because we have this thing called the Internet. So while the Internet might be the enemy, the Internet also is our friend in combating the enemy. And so educate yourself and, and find the right resources and how to approach the topic. But here's the thing that, that I was going to say is this. Most of the, the people that I, I deal with, and, and I think every priest would say this, that are struggling in a major way with an addiction to, to something like pornography, most of them came upon it somehow accidentally early in life. They were maybe a third grader, a fifth grader. Uh, it would be rare if they were in the seventh grade by the first time they, they came upon it. And, and quite possibly, they're just on the Internet themselves looking for a game to play, looking for something else, Googling this, Googling that. And lo and behold, something pops up. Yeah. If there aren't the right filters on a, a computer, it's absolutely going to happen. Something pops up. And now this kid, and, and that's exactly what it is, it's a, it's a kid, maybe a 9-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 7-year-old, an 11-year-old, encounters something for the first time. And as soon as they see it, they, they know that they shouldn't see it. I shouldn't be seeing this. They know that. There's something attractive to them about it. There's something that, that draws them in as, you know, the, the beauty of human sexuality does because of its goodness. And yet the twisted nature of it, because it's on a screen, it lets them know this is not good. I shouldn't be seeing this. And a wave of, of shame uh, comes over them. Yeah. They, they know a couple things. I shouldn't be seeing this. The same thing they, they instantly feel is, for most kids, they feel, and I can't let mom and dad know that I saw this. Mm-hmm. And that's problematic. Yeah. Because prior to them seeing it, accidentally, because nine times out of ten, it's accidentally, prior to them seeing that, they should have had the conversation with mom and dad. Mom and dad should have warned them, saying, hey, there's a good chance that this is going to come up sometime, and, and maybe it's not your fault. Again, parents have to be careful so they don't get their kids inquisitive out there searching for it. Also, they have to have the right conversation. And then uh, the other thing that happens is that shame starts to overwhelm them. They say, I can't ever look at that again, but it doesn't leave their mind. They remember that they've seen it, and sometime down the road. They get inquisitive because it drew them in at some level, yeah. and they search for it again. Shame, can't tell mom and dad, this is my little secret. Yeah. And then every time that maybe they feel a little bit sad or, or stressed, there, there's some problems going on. They don't quite feel balanced or, you know, equal, their, their equilibrium is off, if you will. Something's, there's some disarray within the soul, and they want to feel better. Mm-hmm. I have to feel better. I've been yelled at by my parents or my teachers. There's, I need this, this shot of dopamine, whatever, that's going to make me feel better. They know that that's a place they can go yeah. to get it. And they're not having a conversation with anyone. It's their little secret, 
And so for many of them, even by the time they're in middle school, they, they, they don't know how to get out of it. They don't know how to get out of it. I, I listen to, to talks of, of even our college students, an incredibly brave young man was talking about his, his journey to all of, of the students here at St. Isidore's. And he was expressing how by the time he was a sophomore in high school, he didn't know what to do. And one day he just went home and he was distraught. He was crying and he was courageous enough to say, Dad, here's the situation. What do I do? And he has a good dad, a good dad who at least at that point stood with him and helped to get him out of it. But most parents, I can promise you, are not having any of these conversations, whether their kid's a sophomore or their kid's a five-year-old. It's just not happening. And so parents, come on. <laughs> it's easy for priest boy to say that, but it's so important because because I see the consequences of not having that conversation. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Don't Be Afraid to Start the Conversation on Double-Edged Sword with Father Gail Hammerschmidt. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Gail Hammerschmidt. Don't be afraid to start the conversation. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. You know, Father, I asked the question about, you know, how do we, you know, give us give us some tips on how we actually get that conversation going and keep the conversation going. Absolutely, absolutely. So, again, I, I said sometimes the Internet can be our enemy. It can also be our, our best friend. Right. I just got on, on my computer, and I simply Googled two things. Mm-hmm. How to have, how to talk to my kids about the existence of Jesus. I said Jesus. You say God. Yeah. Uh, meaning the Christian God, so I put Jesus' name in. And just instantly, like, legitimately, many good things popped up. I, I put in parentheses the word Catholic, because sometimes you want to make sure that you have a, a Catholic yeah. understanding of what we mean when we say God. Sure. But stuff came up, and some of it, some of it was from Catholic sources, others were just from non-Catholic sources. And it sounds like I'm, I'm cheesing out because I'm just going to Google uh, but but I'm not, and that's what parents have easy access to. They'd be able to do that. And so I, right now, an article came up, 10 things to do when your child says they don't believe in God anymore. And it's great. <laughs> the wow. 10 tips are incredible. Number one, don't be combative. Uh, number two, be a safe place for them to have the conversation. Yeah. Number three, ask the important questions. Four, pay attention to the timing. Ask the question, well, so how long have you felt this way? Tell us more about it. Acknowledge doubt is normal. Don't make them feel like they're some sort of a freak because they have doubts. Yeah. Number, number six, point to the evidence of God's existence. And they have a couple of links then that you can go to, and, and they have the name Lee Strobel. I don't think he's a Catholic guy, but I do like a, a good number of the things that he does. But if you need a Catholic places to go, well, <laughs> how about just this, Catholic.com. You know, Catholic Answers, mm. they're incredible. Catholic Answers is incredible. We even have a young man here at, at St. Isidore's, his name's Swan Sona, who is going to be an evangelist for Catholic Answers. He's a convert mm. to the Catholic faith. He's only a year been Catholic, and now he's going to be working for this organization, Catholic Answers, because he's simply that 
he's that brilliant. So I'll, I'll give a, a, another maybe shout-out to the podcast that, that Father Drew Hoffman and I have. I know in the past Father Drew and I have both have been interviewed together on this phone-a-thon. We have a, a podcast called Conza Catholic, K-O-N-Z-A Catholic. Well, yesterday, and this is the, the podcast I'm talking about, will come out next week, but I interviewed Swan Sona about some of these questions. You know, I, I said I'm going to be on the radio tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Let's talk about those today. It's going to come out next week. All right. <laughs> it's all very confusing as far as the timing. But, but Swan, he's going to work for Catholic Answers. And I asked him questions. Some of the questions you're asking me, I was asking him. Yeah. And he just had some incredible answers. This is a 20-year-old kid, but that's, that's the group. That, that Catholic answers, they're, they're looking for the best and brightest minds in America to help explain the Catholic faith in a, in a reasonable and understandable way. And so if you need to say, does God exist, and how do I talk to my kids about God, go to Catholic Answers. I, and, okay, let's, let's finish or this. Or go to with your podcast, things. right? So tell us that podcast again so they can yeah, hear it when it comes out. Yeah, Konza, K-O-N-Z-A, and then Catholic, C-A-T-H-I, well, everything yeah. about so, okay. <laughs> Catholic. Okay. So Catholic. You can find us at com. You can look for the Contact Catholic podcast. Mostly it's just Father Drew and I being uh, fools and, and laughing, but, but we do get to serious conversations every now and again. And Swan Sona is the man. He's got his own, uh, well, his, his YouTube channel is incredible. It's above most of our heads, including most priests. That's how brilliant this guy is. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, number seven. It says, let's get back to the list. Number okay. seven. I love this, too. Offer, if your kids are struggling with their, their beliefs in the existence of God, or maybe they have some, and they're going to have some good questions, some real questions. Take their questions seriously. It says, offer to learn more alongside them. Stand with them in learning more. As a kid that's struggling with pornography, stand alongside them as they struggle mm-hmm. and be there for them continually. Yeah. Encourage them to continue to ask questions. Pour into them. That's the, the thing, right? Fill them, pour into them, and then remind them that God loves them. That just came up from me Googling that question. Wow. Uh, how to talk about the existence, you know, how do, how do I talk to my kids about the existence of Jesus? Uh, I, I Googled a, a different question. How to start the conversation about pornography with my kids. Again, so many resources came up. Yeah, and, and people aren't, aren't dumb. People are going to be able to look at some of these resources before they talk to their kids and say, yeah, this one isn't as good as the other one that I've looked at. And this can, this can happen in 15 minutes. You can spend 15 minutes on the Internet with that question, how to start the conversation about porn with my kids, and you're going to be already so much more educated than you were yesterday. Uh, and, and you go deeper, you get into integrityrestored.com. You, you go to these things, you buy the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, or some of the other resources that are being recommended by these, you know, family alliances. Yeah. Uh, maybe the one topic I haven't gotten into, and again, Catholic Answers is going to have a lot to say about this. How to talk to your students about understanding the Bible. Uh, this whole idea that, that we as as modern-day folk think that they always intended for us to read the Bible as though it was a science book and it's to be taken literalistically, and if it says in the book of Genesis that the world was created in six 24-hour periods, then if you believe anything other than the fact that it was created in six 24-hour periods, you can't be a viable uh, believer in, in the God of all things and, and Jesus Christ, His Son, and our Lord. No, that, that's not true. That's just not true. St. Augustine, in the 300s, 
<laughs> was talking about the very fact, and this is something that Swan and, and Andy Branch, who's also a brilliant convert to the Catholic faith, who's a part of our, our podcast, they were talking about this. It was, it was St. Augustine who was calling that six twenty four hour period thing into question all the way back in the 300s. Uh, Origin and some of the other church fathers, they weren't believing this to have been a six twenty-four hour period conversation. No, they weren't. The earliest of Christians weren't saying it was that way. It's not like we waited until we all of a sudden started to hear more about the Big Bang Theory and these theories on, on evolution that we started to change the way we were reading scriptures. No, the, the church fathers were reading this as a particular creation genre. It was a genre that was that was written. The, the books and the, uh, the stories of, of creation were written to teach us things. They were written to teach things, first and foremost, to combat the other stories of creation that existed in the world that said that the gods created humans to punish the humans yeah. or to manipulate and dominate the humans. And, and, and the God of all things, our God, the living God, threw his revelation into this creation story that we find in Genesis says, that's not true. I created you because I love you. You are the center of my creation. Mm -hmm. And I know that that, that life on earth is hard and that the fall has come about. And and there's some things that that we do believe. Again, Catholic.com, Catholic Answers, does a great job Mm -hmm. of saying, what is it that we have to hold on to as Catholics? And what are we free to, to kind of continue to explore in regards to those of, of Genesis. There's a lot of resources out there. But again, I, I think that this is true, that we, we go after our volunteers, and we get them teaching in our parishes, and, and those volunteers haven't educated themselves quite well enough as to what the Catholic stance is on things like the, the creation stories of Genesis or the books. You know, so, so much of the early years of your, your maybe religious education, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, they're the, the biblical stories, right? And, and so you hear these stories, but you don't hear, like, the nuances of what are, we, what are we really to understand from these stories. And then you get to third grade science class, and you're, you're a third grader trying to sort out, like, how do I see these two things? How do I hold both of these to possibly be true? The stories of creation that I'm reading from Genesis and I'm being taught on Wednesday night. And, and then how do I uh, see that maybe there was this thing called the Big Bang <laughs> billions of years ago? Uh, and and nobody knows, absolutely nobody knows, seemingly, that it was a Catholic priest that posited the theory of the Big Bang, right? <laughs> How come that information isn't out there? Yeah. Uh, and so some of these seventh-grade atheists that are making the other seventh-graders atheists are just doing so because they're not educated well enough in understanding how it is that we are, are to read scriptures or how we're at least able to explore scriptures in more than just a literalistic way. And so Catholic.com is going to do a good job. I, I would most definitely recommend everybody uh, pays attention to Bishop Robert Barron, what he's doing. There used to be a thing called the YouTube heresy. Mm. And these were the people that he was always having to combat and battle when he was putting forth uh, his theories of a God-centered world, <laughs> a world that was created by and is loved by God. These people on YouTube or, or wherever, they're coming at him. And he says, these four YouTube heresies, these are things that people believe, Christians believe. And he says, it's not what we believe. Yeah. And, and so uh, a really, really good video is, is Bishop Barron's uh, The Four YouTube Heresies. Ah, is We're talking about be not afraid to start the conversation early. Really, really love all of the, the tips, all of the information that you are giving us. Um, love the the 
the thing about Bishop Barron. Tell me again what the title of that is, Bishop Barron. Yeah, yeah, the YouTube Heresies. YouTube. I think heresies. I think if you you could probably look it up as the four YouTube Heresies or simply the YouTube Heresies. It's one of his earlier videos. It's probably from still a good maybe eight nine years ago, but still very very important to watch. Yeah. As far as the way most people think that Christians think, <laughs> like, yeah. like we we don't want to be a part of this Christian faith or this Catholic faith because we think that you think like this. Yeah. And he's explaining to them that well, that's not that's ridiculous. That's not the way we think. And and the sad part is that even many of us Christians and Catholics think that we think the way he's explaining. No, this is not at the heart of our our beliefs. And, and in regards to things like God's existence and and how to read scriptures. You know, and, and I really, I love all of the information that you've shared, and I'm going to ask you a question that's kind of off script. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I'll so, probably not be able to answer it, but that's I, okay. I, I'm, I'm usually at my best when I'm humbled. Yeah, well, I, I think you'll know, you know, I don't know that there is a real answer, but I just want to get your take on it, because, okay. you know— I hear so often from parents, you know, that their children has left, their child has left the faith, their children have left the faith, whatever it is. I've seen it in my own family. I remember one time um, when my, my husband, when my kids were young, he had what he called a dollar question, and he would come home with a, a dollar, and they, you know, it was about the faith. And at the dinner table, they could answer it from youngest to oldest, and whoever got it first got the dollar. And so one of our adult children did that on a Sunday when. And we were all there. They had a dollar question. And one of my sons that's away from the faith answered the question. And so I took him aside uh-huh. from everybody when I had the opportunity. And I just said, you know, I want you to know, you know, how, how happy I was that, that you answered that question. And he said, Mom, I know what you taught me. And, and you know, so it was like, how do you get it to go from the head to the heart? That's that's the real the real question, I guess, that I'm getting at is, you know, how can you know we can give them the knowledge, but how do we get them get it to go from the head to the heart? Well, and and some you know, I've even some of this knowledge that or advice that I give is based upon Catholic radio that I've listened to throughout the years, right? Yeah. So I gain my knowledge by listening to Catholic radio and and the different calling. Uh, shows that, that are a part of Catholic Radio or, or you know, the people being interviewed. Uh, I'll throw a book out at you, How to Draw Your Child Back to the, the Church by Brandon Voigt. Uh, it comes from the Word on Fire, but I think Brandon Voigt's got his own website. You can find that. So it's, I think it's actually called Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church by Brandon Voigt, V-O-G-T is how you spell his last name. And so there's going to be a, a tremendous amount of, of good advice in that book, that should be a bestseller, honestly. Mm. Uh, everybody who has a child who has walked away should be reading that book to at least maybe come up with something to do or say to that child to draw them back into the faith. Mm. My advice is this, is, is to try and uh, preventative medicine, <laughs> and I remember hearing this and it always stuck with me, it says that make sure that the faith is the cause for joy within your household, mm. uh, that, that when your kids hear about the faith, when they hear you talking about the faith, when they hear you even talking about other people who are not living in accordance with the faith, that they see that the faith is the big prize, that it is beautiful, that it is a cause for joy, that it's not a burden, that mm. it's not just a list of demands and something that's kind of ugly that makes them feel 
guilty that makes them feel, ugh, but it's a cause for joy within the household. Now, that takes some work. Mm. It takes some work in my life as a, as a priest <laughs> to say, no, I embrace the greatest thing on earth, and that leads me to smile even when life is difficult. Yeah. Uh, and that even though I'm maybe being persecuted, and I'm angry about the fact that I'm being persecuted, or I'm being looked at silly because I'm a believer, and I'm angry about that, and I want those people to be punished <laughs> because they're not like me, and I'm mad about them, they're not, they're not like me, yeah. but it can't be that. That can't be the overall resonating experience with children who have their parents who are faithful, yeah. but, but I know a lot of faithful people that are like that, and so we've got to avoid that. It's got to be the cause for the joy yeah. within the house. And, and then secondarily, is once one has fallen away, I, I think even like what I was talking about for the kid that doesn't believe in God or the kid that doesn't believe in the faith anymore, somewhere along the way, it's, it's one of those top two things, one of those top two questions. They either believe that God isn't real or that God doesn't matter. Or, or the faith, maybe you just say the Catholic Church isn't the true church. Uh, the Catholic Church doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And so how do you answer those questions for yourself to then be able to prudently answer them for the, for the, the child. If, if every time you're talking with your child who's fallen away, it becomes a fight, you don't have to talk about that topic every time you're around that child yeah. who has fallen away. Sure. You have to maintain a connection with the child. Maybe you still love whatever, piano, or you love sports, or you love art, whatever the, it might be. Continue to love those things with that child. It doesn't have to be a conversation. More than likely, if a, 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 it's a human being walks away from God, that human being is going to feel burdens at some point in their life. Their life will be broken because all lives will be broken at some point. And, and the true answer to that brokenness is relationship with Jesus. And so you can't burn the bridges that say, you know, I'm broken, I'm hurting, but every time mom and I get in a conversation, it becomes this ugly fight about God. I'm most definitely not going to mom about this. But if you maintain the relationship based on arts or piano or sports or whatever it might be, and, and you you still laugh, you still let them know that you care, they're going to know who you are. They're going to know what you stand for. And when that brokenness enters, and again, we, we hate that it has to many times involve this, this brokenness, but many times it does, and they're going to know where to turn. To the, one who, to the one who has the faith as the cause for joy in their life, even in the midst of the difficulty, the struggle. That's why a positive attitude matters so much. Yes, there's much wrong in the world, <laughs> but Jesus is right, and He's in the world, and we can smile because of that. We can. We can. And I need to tell my brother priests that. I need to tell myself that on a daily basis. Yeah. I need to tell every Christian that. But that's what's going to win the world for Christ, yeah. is that we have a deep sense of joy, faith, hope, the beauty. We have it all. And we've got to smile a little bit more because of it. What what a great answer. Off script. It's too, great it's answer. Too yeah. It's too bad I'm not in the studio because my arms are going crazy <laughs> and I'm getting up and down out of my seat and I'm pointing at things on my wall. <laughs> I'm fired up. I love it. I love it. it. <laughs> I do. Well, we need to have you back again. Just an awesome, awesome time and so much good information. Again, if that listener didn't hear the book that was recommended, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, 
Porn Proofing Today's Kids, and the website Integrity Restored. Those are both new to me. I hear lots of things that I had not hear or heard of either of those. So thank you for sharing both of those you resources. Bet. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the information. We would love it. Let's see if you can give... Um, 7.59. If you can give us your last thought that you'd like to share, and then I will kneel down and your blessing will go out to all of us um, here in the studio as well as out through the airwaves. And thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. My last thought is this. Just people, don't be afraid to ask the four most important questions. God, is he real? This faith that we practice, does it matter? What does it look like? Learn everything. Study the catechism. What does it look like? And then finally, is it possible and know that, yes, it's possible so long as we have others building us up and we have a merciful Lord who continues to call us back to himself. Once that happens, once that happens, your life will be. He matters. It's beautiful. And he loves you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and, and, and now bow down for the blessing. Yes. Almighty God, we ask that you send your blessing upon these, your sons and your daughters, that you give them every joy and every grace, and that you allow them to know your deep, deep love. And I pray this blessing, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bless you you. all. God bless Divine Mercy Radio and, and all the different affiliates that you have. You're doing great, great great work. Thank you so much. Thank you to Donetta, the whole gang. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. Just call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Band, and 88.1 KVDM, Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.